everyone and welcome again to an episode of the OSINT Bunker podcast. Uh, this week you've got myself, Defence Geek. Uh, joining me on the hosting team is OSINT Technical. Um, and we're joined this week by our guest, uh, Mr. Cassis Belly. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for uh, inviting me. And uh, yeah, sorry for my weak English, so I always try to do my best. Yeah, sorry. I think I was sorry. making the... Uh joke earlier that um not to not to name names but we've <laughs> we, we've we've had a lot of people on the podcast and you know our our english skill levels have certainly been varied and and i i, I told you not to worry because you're definitely yeah. not the bottom of the barrel <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, it you know it, it it doesn't matter i can always put subtitles and i'm not definitely not too lazy to do that <laughs> no subtitles are going on this <laughs> yeah. yeah but we we certainly have a lot to talk about this week i think we um definitely we are going to talk about russia just you know give us oh, give yeah. us a minute <laughs> but um yeah we we i think we first wanted to you know give uh catch spell a, a chance to sort of sit down and tell us what he does you know why yeah. he's an interesting figure on Twitter, and you know, I'll just I'll let you go ahead there. Yeah, uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm writing and tweeting and working uh, mostly in French, and uh, basically, I'm just started uh, my account two years ago now, and uh, yeah, I just started with. Uh, uh, oh, I stayed often uh, most of the time. It was only uh, like funny thing on my free time, and uh, finally just turned in like uh, a really serious. Um, uh, I mean, in my in the uh, French Twitter uh, kind of big account, and uh, yeah, I just started uh, with some. Uh, uh, just sharing some news on, uh, especially on uh, Morocco. Uh, at the time, where all the Arab states uh, trying to normalize with uh, Israel, and uh, finally, I just uh, took a, a lot of followers, and then I kept my work and tried to improve it, and uh, here I am today. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a pretty good summary. I would say um, I've always yes. sort of liked you in the in the background, sort of converting all my stuff over to French, <laughs> because <laughs> we we all know that you know I um my my French skills are uh, lacking as as I'm certain it's made clear on this podcast. I think uh, you're the da, 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 third or fourth now French speaking guest we've had. Oh. Um, yeah, so we we definitely you know have a lot of interest sort of in that space, um, and obviously there's a lot of stuff that France is certainly super active um, internationally, especially um, in Africa, which I think yes. a lot of people ignore, um, just yeah. because you know I, I think it's sort of just been this uh, always yeah. present thing. Actually, um, Africa is uh, I think the continent where uh, was the more difficult uh, to have a lot of information so uh, and also not uh, I mean the media in general never don't really talk a lot uh, about this continent and all the events happening there 
Um, so yeah, I started to be interested uh, in that. I started first with the Middle East, uh, with uh, countries like uh, Israel, uh, Lebanon, and uh, with the time, uh, I just started to be more interested in Africa. Uh, for example, in Mali, it's it's easier for me, of course, because there's us uh, French-speaking countries, and uh, of course, um, I started with uh, Mali, uh, Chad. Uh, Burkina Faso and all this country and also I, uh, I've i done a good uh, um, important work I think on uh, Mozambique uh, at the time of like nobody was interested in it and uh, of course I had some uh, great help uh, of my friend um, uh, here Intel which is we since he's a uh, South African so he made he gave me a lot of uh, information on finally yeah just to focus on this uh, area and uh, yeah today of course I'm more focusing on Ukraine and uh, Russia but uh, it's I think it's kind of linked because Russia is actually uh, working and doing a lot of stuff in uh, Africa and especially against uh, the French uh, uh, influence areas so yeah this is a kind of linked work I guess yeah I know we've had talks in the past before about, you know, the Wagner presence in um, Africa, which is a, a effectively, you know, Russia state-sponsored uh, group activities. But um, they they definitely have a presence in pretty much, I would say almost every African country has some sort of Wagner yeah. presence at some point um, in the last few years. Um, and some countries have a much uh, more established presence. And I think just due to the nature of the fact that they're technically a you know, mercenary group, they aren't counted as some sort of official state presence, but you know, they, they act under what are effectively state orders from yeah. Russia, which you know, a lot of people forget that Africa is sort of this frontier of... Uh, it's almost a great power conflict without being one, um, uh, mostly at this point between uh, France and Russia, but also with the U.S. assisting uh, France on a number yeah. of fronts. But um, it, it it definitely is is certainly um, just a, yeah. a convoluted I, area. Yeah, actually, it's a very important uh, continent because, uh, of course, there's a lot of uh, resources, and uh, like all the countries are just trying to uh, put their own influence on, like China, of course. Uh, Russia, uh, France, United States, and uh, this time I just uh, I, I had the opportunity to see also a huge uh, investment or interests of countries like uh, Emirates or Turkey, and uh, yeah, um, I think this this is what actually uh, interested me because um, I just realized that. This is a country where uh, there's not a lot of uh, OSINT uh, people working. I mean, I think I'm. I, we are not a lot uh, interested in Africa. Uh, most of the people are doing a great job on uh, Middle East, uh, Europe, or Asia, or even uh, Southern America. But uh, on Africa, I, I didn't uh, met a lot of people working on that, and. Um, yeah, of course, uh, it was a kind of opportunity for me because at the same time, uh, most of the regions uh, who have like uh, this last week's 
uh, last month, uh, stuff like coup d'etat or, or coup attempt uh, or stuff like that, where uh, all uh, French colonies. And of course, it was very interesting to follow that uh, because I guess uh, all the, I'd say, uh, English community in Ozint wasn't always aware of what's going on there. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I've done that. I've I've followed, uh, for example, uh, the coup in Mali, uh, all the events in Chad in Central Africa uh, as well. So yeah, yeah. And I know I'm. You've you've been quoted by quite a number of different news outlets, which is yeah. usually quite a, a big deal for for us as as OSINT accounts. Um, yeah, definitely. Just, just looking at your profile, you've you've been quoted by the likes of. Uh, France 24, yep. um, France's Channel 5, uh, Le Monde. Um, yeah, even, most of them are... The French French edition of Sputnik. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, it, it doesn't really help the... Or it, I guess it helps the fact that, you know, Africa is criminally undercovered. Um, yeah. Just between major publications, I mean... The number of journalists that I know that work for major publications in the U.S. who actually work in Africa, mm -hmm. it, it's an incredibly small number for the you know number yeah. of people on the continent. Yeah, exactly. So uh, as I said, uh, I've noticed that there's not a lot of uh, OSINT accounts working on Africa. I just uh, noticed like uh, Hair Intel, sometimes they talk about South Africa, which is very interesting. And uh, um, I, another account uh, named Jake uh, was doing, doing a very uh, great job. And uh, yeah, of course, uh, this is, as I said, it's easier for me to talk about that since I got the news uh, or my contacts speaking in French in countries like Algeria, uh, Morocco, uh, Mali, and all these countries. So it made it easy for me. And of course, it, it helped me with all my skills. I mean, my skills in using to uh, share all this information on Twitter. And um, the most important thing that uh, I think the, all the English side of the OSINT community should know is that it's uh, OSINT is kind of new in France. So um, all the medias are just discovering it. And this is, I think this is kind of, uh, it, it explains actually why all these medias cited me. Uh, in their uh, uh, journal, and um, yeah, I, I I mean in the French wasn't we we are not a lot practicing it, and we are like um, I'd say ten maximum, and uh, yeah, actually it it's very new in the French uh, area I'd say. And I think at this point we should probably. Um discuss that I think, you know, the elephant in the room, and that is, you know, France's involvement in um, Mali, and, and more specifically, yeah. it's um, the continuing threat of France to pull out uh, of that area. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know, and this is sort of hard to follow from the um, Anglophone uh, perspective, just because there a lot of the news doesn't come out and isn't translated into yeah. English, but if you could sort of give us an update of, of what that looks like, um, I, I, you know, it's been a while since we've had someone on the podcast sort of talk to us about where the French presence currently stands. Well, um, I'd say uh, the military presence actually is in uh, the older region uh, called uh, Sahel, uh, which includes uh, Mali, uh, 
Burkina Faso, Niger, uh, and all those countries. Um, actually, the problem is um, Russia is kind of started to be uh, competitive against France in terms of influence, like with all this, uh, uh, I'd say, Wagner uh, PMCs, and also with their own uh, military contracts. Uh, and obviously, all this uh, who happened in a short uh, space of time really helped to uh, pull out uh, France from all this area. Because actually, all these countries uh, changed their government, and all these new governments were started to be uh, like pro-Russia. And uh, I think this is so, this is something France didn't understood, and uh, we we all have been kind of surprised uh, with all these events. And yeah, basically the military presence is all in all uh, countries like Mali, but it's about to end soon. And uh, Niger, Burkina Faso, uh, there's also some military uh, in uh, countries like Chad or Central Africa. Uh, but the most important is Mali, I'd say. And obviously, France have kind of, I, I don't say we can call it them good relations, but at least relation with uh, countries like Algeria, but good relations with uh, Morocco, for example, and uh, Tunisia as, as well, uh, and Egypt. So all this area, I'd say all this area is kind of the area of influence on France, but it's now begin to be uh, disputed uh, by different countries. Most, uh, the most know of that is Russia, but of course there's also uh, Turkey. And uh, I say, I, I think um, France is going to uh, change its own area of influence. Uh, it's going to leave Mali soon and probably go and try to find uh, new new places i'd say uh in eastern africa like in uh, somalia ethiopia uh, tanzania and all these areas where i'm i'd say under the influence of uh the Angl uh, countries like uh, united kingdoms and stuff like that yeah so it's it's sort of that you know yeah. cooperation i guess at this point or i guess lack of cooperation that that might cause some issues into the future a bit between uh, France and uh, this, the, on the, the, the African states? Yeah. Uh, actually, it's a lack of confidence and a lack of, uh, uh, how, how I'd say, um, confidence and uh, lack of proof of effectiveness of the French presence in this area. For example, uh, Bar uh, Operation Barkhane started like around 10 years ago and uh, showed a very, very uh, little uh, proof of fit effectiveness. And finally, uh, all the people living there started just to uh, hate France. And obviously it was a great opportunity for a, another country to come and just dispute France uh, influence. And I guess this is what uh, Russia have done actually. But uh, yeah, it's a lack of confidence, lack of uh, uh, good results, I'd say, uh, by, showed by France. And also there's a lot of uh, corruption stories, um, 
all this stuff will never help uh, to construct to construct a good relation between France and African states. So basically, for the northern uh, African countries like uh, France, uh, Morocco, uh, Algeria, Tunisia, and Egypt, I think I'd say it's not that bad. But with uh, countries uh, of like Mali, uh, Burkina Faso, we just said uh, we just we we just seen a lot of protests, and uh, yeah, I think this is a failure uh, of the for French foreign policy in this area. But I think maybe France is trying to uh, being redeployed in another area, maybe closer to uh, countries like Madagascar. Uh, we have uh, good ties, I'd say, with France, and we have all uh, our uh, islands. So, um, yeah, I'd say France is going to make big changes in its foreign policy in Africa, and just uh, with all this, I'd say, failure um, areas like in Western Africa. Yeah, so sort of a, a force redeployment or, or a force reorientation towards nation states that are historically more friendly. Um, um, actually, I think it's going to be more uh, less military and more uh, uh, diplomatic yeah, okay. because I yeah <laughs> I, I I don't I, I don't see France deploying uh, some more militaries or starting another operation in countries like Somalia or something, but maybe just send some instructors and uh, start new kind of new uh, diplomatic relations and uh, just uh, spread its own uh, area of influence. Otherwise, all these countries like Emirates, Turkey, Russia, China will just contest us, I'd say. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I think at this point, as we sort of start to talk about wider scale um, involvement in different countries and, and certainly non-military involvement, um, I think it would be a good time to sort of talk about or start to talk about the Im very, very imminent threat posed by Russia yeah. towards Ukraine. Um, and actually, I think as we as we just have a gaseous belly here, we can yeah. we can, you know, grill him over uh france's recent <laughs> attempts at a diplomacy <laughs> okay um first of all i i just want to say that i know i have uh, maybe the unpopular position and uh, i think well i've said a lot of uh i've talked with a lot of uh the uh, english using community and um, yeah, I, I definitely think uh, that the threat isn't bigger, isn't big as we say. Actually, maybe it's it's um, how to say it's it's very. It looks like very imminent uh, because all this uh, media involvement in sharing all these imminent threats, uh, which is actually not false, but maybe uh, I'd say too much because actually Russia. Um, so far, I understood, and um, it's only my, uh, I'd say, um, conclusion with all this information we have, uh, is just trying to play a, a really big uh, uh, foreign diplomacy, diplomacy and um, to have uh, its own advantage on uh, negotiation about uh, Ukraine on most on the most important for me. Uh, is the Minsk agreements, and I definitely think it's, uh, I'd say, the pillar of all this 
tensions, I'd say, between Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, but even when looking at that, you can say or, or even look at the Russian language coming out today and, and what they've said, you know, specifically with the fact yeah. that, um, you know, Western or quoting, you know, Russia, Western nations haven't put enough pressure on, mm. you know, the on Ukraine to actually, you know, come to the table and negotiate again. So, you know, if by that logic that you have sort of what happens if russia isn't able to get ukraine to come back at really at all to the negotiating table which is sort of where it's been at this point is ukraine has refused um to give any more concessions to what they've already had without russia offering concessions as well which mm -hmm. russia is unwilling to do um namely the fact that they've you know occupied crimea and that um both sides uh, continue to break the ceasefire in Donbass. Um, yeah, actually, the ceasefire was never respected because uh, the Minsk agreement was never applied. And yeah, by I both, know. Both sides, yeah. Minsk never technically existed on the ground. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a it was an in theory agreement. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I, at I, that... oh, yeah. go ahead. I uh, I was going to say like, um, if actually. Star may uh, the war may start, uh, but I don't think Russia will will initiate it. Uh, and for uh, easy thing to understand is, uh, Putin said many times, and all, not only him, but a lot of people working in on a government. And of course, people will say it's Putin, it's Russia, so we don't trust them. Don't uh, don't take care about what they say. And um, I'd say. Uh, if you want to uh, do a good analysis, you have to take, to take in consideration all the uh, statements by each side, even you like him or you don't. It's just important to understand all the uh, perception of all the countries. Um, he said many, many times uh, that uh, he considered Ukrainians as, uh, like, I'd say, Slavic Brotherhood or something like that. Like, even Russian uh, people I know just said like ukrainians are, are just uh basically russians they are brothers they're the same people and uh this is one uh, of this interesting thing that lead me to think that russia won't start any war because it will be very uh bloody as the u.s said and of course if you start shooting uh, at your at the people you call uh, brother it's it will be very difficult to justify uh, this action uh, for your own population and even for the Russian population and also the Ukrainian one and uh, yeah it's kind of uh, difficult for Russia actually because they pushed them themselves in a difficult position but I think they've they've have uh, done a great um, they have done a very uh, good move in um, in all this story because with all this negotiation we just started to say uh, that Moscow started to negotiate only with Washington which is the first I'd say superpower and um, it just forced Washington to take in consideration all this uh, discussion and it placed Russia at the same level of uh, diplomacy uh, with uh, the US and uh, uh, on by the way uh, ukraine never was 
ordered in this on all this uh, discussion and even Europeans were not uh, invited in this in this discussion so uh, yeah actually the threat is imminent because uh, Russia deployed a lot of troops and of course with all this wasn't work we all have done on people have done a very very good job um, with all this uh, other stuff, uh, we we have seen we started to see uh, many and uh, many uh, videos showing Russia uh, just uh, transporting its own troops toward uh, Ukraine, and I think we should um, taking con consideration that in terms of uh, the threat, Russia actually obviously Ukraine will will perceive it as a threat, of course, because they have, like, uh, a lot of troops near the border. But Russia play with that. I'd say it's kind of psychological uh, war, because they play with that and they force uh, negotiation and they force Europeans, for example, to take what they want in uh, consideration. And uh, I've seen many diplomats even french diplomats saying that we could give them a part, not all, everything of what they want but a, a big part of what they want and i think this is actually uh, the the huge uh, issue in this story yeah and i think the the really the question that comes from that argument or at least the end of that argument is at this point, I don't think Russia has gotten anything out of this. I mean, they, they've gotten an increased NATO force presence um, in yeah. Europe. They've gotten mm. Finland and Sweden actively well, uh, looking yeah. more towards NATO. Um, I mean, they've, they've obviously, a lot of the internal language in Ukraine has been... Um, scattered, but the last few days, it's, it's more moved towards this sort of... Um, I guess inevitability. Um, they haven't really changed any public opinion in the U.S. At least that I've seen. Yeah, but well, I think what's important to to know is, is that uh, so far I know the U.S. won't. I mean, most of the U.S. Uh, people won't see Russia as a friend anyway. It will always be uh, maybe it's because of the Cold War or anything, but it won't. It Russia won't be soon or uh, uh, seen as uh, as a Korean uh, state anyway. So, the, well, I mean, the... uh, if you look at sort of the U.S. historic relationship with um, with Russia, I mean, there's the infamous George Bush line of uh, yeah. looking Putin in the eyes and and seeing yeah. a good man. <laughs> um, but um, I mean, the real thing about that is. I think Americans had this point where it was sort of seeing Russia as a former enemy. Um, but even now, I mean, if you look at sort of how it's changed since, you know, 2014 is looking mm. at Russia as this active threat. Um, I know, you know, I... Chechnya and the invasion of Georgia were sort of viewed differently, I guess, because yes. Americans were less willing to view those countries as, you know, part of Europe and, you know, you know, historically more yeah. European um, and, you know, they were basically, you know, in Russia's backyard. So obviously they have the right to do whatever with yeah. it. Um, and then yeah, you look at the is... argument today. Yeah, actually, uh, they have the right to do everything they want because it's on their own territories. And it's right, actually. It's a fact. But obviously, if you 
put all your troops near a border, uh, you can't you can't complain about the other country to be to feel treated, and it's actually totally normal uh, for Ukraine to to feel like that. But I think uh, what's important to take in consideration is it's also a big game between all these intelligence services. And uh, I think sometimes we just forget that because, of, of course, uh, the Russian services are working on doing sometimes misinformation. But it's, of course, it's the same uh, on the other side. And it's normal. I mean, it's not bad or good. It's just how it works now. Uh, I mean, in 2022. And I've seen that on Twitter, for example. You have some rumors show spread in on internet. Um, it's part of, uh, I'd say, the new, the new uh, war. It's most of most of it is, is a misinformation. On, of course, you have uh, actions on the, the field uh, of uh, foreign services, and it, sometimes it's very difficult to to find uh, the truth because it's like like everything, everyone lying. And of course, Russia isn't an innocent country. I mean. Uh, we all know what they can do, but uh, I'd say the U.S. even can do some uh, stuff. And, of course, history proved it. And, uh, yeah, this is what I think we should take in consideration. I mean, and this is why open source intelligence is important, because, yeah. again, most of the stuff that we've taken a look at with the mm -hmm. Russian buildup and with what all the other countries are doing has been um, separate of the language coming from... Um, yeah you know, the US or any other Western powers. And, and that yeah. that real, the the thing is, I mean, we can independently verify that there has been a massive yeah. buildup. I mean, we, yeah. we can independently verify sort of every yeah, step actually, of what Russia actually, is doing. This is, actually, this is the, the good thing with, I mean, internet and all these awesome techniques, because you can like, literally go and verify what's going on on the border. And it's not like um, before you just had to, I'd say, uh, trust the government, but now you can really go and watch some satellites imagery and check what's going on. But the problem is, um, we, I mean, I'd say uh, OSINT have its own limits because uh, you can you can see definitely what's going on on the field. But if I if I tell you that we can't exactly estimate how many uh, troops there are present on the field. Uh, because you can't obviously can't count uh, each soldier on the ground, but you just can give estimation. Um, of course, there's all, all um, I'd say there's a lot of things you can't really know because you, sometimes you need to have people on the ground. You have to uh, you you need spies. Of course, you need uh, people uh, giving you proof of different stuff. Um, for example, I would I, I would talk about uh, the Ukrainian report a few weeks ago. I'd say a few months now, um, with all this chemical stuff, or chemical weapons, and all this stuff. And it was very weird because the U, uh, the Russia talk about that, uh, Ukrainian talk about that, and finally uh, the OSCE uh, just went on the ground and found nothing. So it was very weird. And yeah, this is the kind of information we, we can't uh, actually get. But of course, I wasn't help a lot to see uh, 
all this Rus uh, Russian movement. But I'd say we 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 can't have all the details, uh, even in the diplomatic ways, of course, because they're all speaking uh, between them, and there's a lot of stuff we won't know, and and it's normal. Uh, also, it actually only help us to have a um, better understanding of what's going on on the field and it's very important because sometimes it's very uh help to discover like uh, a military field hospital for example in belarus and i say uh some uh people of the using community have done a very good job about that but yeah there's a lot of limits because you can't now you you can see a military field hospital but you can't tell 100 percent what what's what's the um, uh, meaning of of it it could be i mean covid could be uh, uh exercise because of course this is military exercise and you can uh, bring with you uh, some hospital uh, military field and just be training with them um yeah this is uh, actually the the problem i'd say but it's very important to to do this work because it, it it's very helpful yeah. And I mean, at the same time, at this point, we're seeing stuff like even Israel come out and say, which, again, Israel, if you look at the grand scheme of things, they are a Russian allied state, like 110 um, percent. They have very close relations with Russia. Um, Israel arguably has supported Russia's claim in Crimea. Um, and, and they came out at least, you know, sometime earlier today. Um, this is uh, uh, the 12th of um, February. Most likely you're going to be mm -hmm. listening to this on the uh, 13th. But um, I, I mean, they, they came out earlier today and, and openly said, um, you know, you need to get out of Ukraine because, you know, mm -hmm. something's going to happen or, or they, yeah. they, they weren't that direct, but yeah, they, they said people should leave mm -hmm. Ukraine um, yeah. as soon as possible. Um, and, and I mean, at this point, even those, you know, suppose it and i will say um you know the israeli intelligence services uh aren't exactly known for being yeah. uh incompetent yeah. They, they, yeah, of they, they, they certainly um have a have a reputation um yeah, and sort of, of that 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 real question ends up being is you know what um do the israelis expect are going to happen you know obviously they're recommending their citizens leave um you're seeing a bunch mm -hmm. of what are fairly independent states recommending that their citizens leave south korea um uh, yeah a, a, a bunch of varied states yeah. um uh, yeah i've made a list about that there's like south korea montenegro uh, latvia estonia finland north macedonia and yeah, of course, there's a lot of uh, countries were starting to pull out uh, their uh, stuff, uh, diplomatic stuff. But if you see, um, if you give a look of all these countries, most of them are, uh, I'd say, close to the U.S. And which is where, to me, is first uh, France still haven't uh, moved anything from its own embassy for now. It's just show. Um, uh, told to the people to uh, not come to Ukraine, but they, they didn't ask to people to leave Ukraine. Um, they and there's another country uh, which is Turkey, uh, with member of NATO, who still have done nothing about that. Um, in fact, uh, they just stated that they don't really believe of in any invasion. And with all my contacts, I know that. Even France don't believe it. So there's a 
huge problem because or uh, the U.S. is wrong or uh, all these countries are wrong. And also, I, I, I would like to say that uh, countries like China and India uh, didn't move anything yet mm. from the Ukraine, which is very weird because I'd say if, if something was going to happen uh, in Ukraine, I'd say at least China will be aware of it. So, yeah, this is kind of weird. Maybe it will happen in a few hours, maybe in a few days. But actually, I, uh, it's something very weird. And I, I think people forget that, but it's very important to take it in, in consideration. Yeah, and I think there there is sort of, I think we, at least in this debate, represent the, the two opposing views, which mm. <laughs> I think is also, our, our views are kind of represented both on the, uh, on the local level here and on the, on the more national level between the US and France. But um, there, there definitely does seem to be that, that difference in opinion, um, at yeah. least right now, of people who think, you know, whether or not Russia actually intends to do something or if they intend to use this as mm -hmm. a... Uh, a bargaining chip um and, yeah. and again i think both of us have presented you know a, a, an argument um and at, at some point a lot of our argument relies on uh faith um mm. in what our countries are saying or, or what our yeah, countries are indicating um because you know i can point to you know open source intelligence stuff mm. and you can point to uh you know, some logical conclusions and statements made um, <clears throat> by both sides. But at the end of the day, you know, there's there's only so much that we can look at. I, I think the statements made by various countries telling people not to go to Ukraine um, is definitely a certainly worrying um, development in this and, and you know, mm. gives us some indications. Combine that together with a bunch of actions Russia's taken in the last, you know, 76 hours at least um that you know are actions that can only be done for a small period of time which sort of gives yeah. them this imminent window to take action um sortying all of their black sea fleet ships um mm. was certainly a huge thing that we saw today um and yesterday that is a limited time deployment thing that they you know they can't just keep pumping ships out um repeatedly um yeah, so that's course. a big thing. Uh, calling up reservist units—that's uh, yeah. something you can't do like all the time. Um, so that's that's a big thing. Um, Actually, I, I think, I think... Saying as well that obviously the Americans yesterday were very very clear with their statement that mm. to their citizens you have effectively forty-eight hours to get out of Ukraine. Uh, the, the the very fact that the Americans are, are confident enough to put a time frame on it like that um and the fact that we've also sort of heard through various sources that the assessment now is if russia's going to act it's going to act sometime on the 15th or the 16th um which which, which as you say is is just a matter of days away now uh, yeah i think but combined with the fact that we've seen in the last as you say the last 24 hours we've seen hmm. well over 30 countries some of them with absolutely nothing to do with the ukraine conflict turning around to their citizens and saying get out now get out while you've got the chance yeah. we aren't sending anyone to come and rescue you um actually quite a lot. um actually i'd say um we should not forget that uh only a few months back uh kabul happened 
And I think it is, it was a very, uh, huge experience for all these embassies and all the, um, all these Western countries. And maybe they took that in consideration because actually, of course, Kabul was a total mess. Uh, and, uh, especially for the U S and all, we all remind all these images, uh, in Kabul with all these planes and well, yeah, it was. In- in fairness, um, if Russia were to invade tomorrow or maybe Monday, um, mm. there there would actually it, it, the timeline for people calling for actual discrete evacuation. I mean, the U.S. would be slightly ahead of more of the Afghan timeline um, by you know a few days, um, and transportation was more available than out of Afghanistan. Um, but the rest of the country is calling for evacuation right now. I mean, giving people 24 to 48 hours or even less than mm. that. I mean, the U.S. has been calling for people to leave for weeks yeah. now, frankly. But the rest of the countries haven't been. Um, and so that would actually line up pretty similar to um, uh, what had happened in uh, in Afghanistan. So I, I, mm-hmm. I, I think um, the parallels that you can draw are, are fairly close. Um but at, at at the same time, I think this would be more put on some other countries being a bit um, hopeful, I guess, um, yeah. that, that, you know, democracy or, um, you know, diplomacy will prevail. Um, mm. I, I, yeah. I almost said the, the infamous <laughs> reason will prevail. But, yeah, um, of course. But uh, what I wanted to add is that if you give a look to all these countries, you will you'll find that, like most of them are uh, close to the US, which is very interesting because uh, all this statement about uh, leaving uh, Ukraine started like a wave and uh, only like a few hours ago, because before that it was only uh, the US calling on the UK, of course, uh, calling for withdrawal of their diplomatic uh, staff. And it just came like a a huge wave so I guess um, all this country had some intel information or stuff like that, of course. But what it word for me is like state like China or Iran or yeah, but all look this. at Israel, which has you know is far more closely aligned with Russia yeah, on actually, Ukrainian issues still, than um, than actually, the U.S. I like it's still far close more. To, I think it's still close to uh, the U.S. Few days ago, I I don't know if you guys remember, but um, uh, I, I I think Russia deployed some uh, missiles or denied an access to uh, Israel. Or there's a story like that. I can't remember exactly, but it definitely uh, I'd say uh, make I, bad I mean... the relation between Israel and Russia. And of course, Russia Israel had always I'd say not bad relation with uh, Russia, but always was closer to the US and in some way. Of, of course, actually, the, the uh, Iranian uh, GCPOA is uh, making Russia, uh, Israel, uh, maybe farther from the US, but I think they are still close to the US. But if, if we don't see uh, China uh, withdrawing their own uh, people, I, I'd say it's very weird because I'd say China will be 
more informed. Uh, I'd say if Russia was about to launch any huge scale operation in Ukraine, they would probably send um, a message to China, of course. Granted, at, at the same time, would China want to, you know, quote, blow that cover or blow any possible deniability that the Russians have at this point um, with, you know, potentially evacuating? I mean, how many Chinese citizens are in Ukraine? You also have to look at the fact that most of the countries that have recommended people leave Ukraine are European mm. or are very close to Ukraine and have a number of people that travel there on a regular basis. Um, I mean, we've probably seen... Basically, if you go down the list, most of the countries that have the most citizens either visiting or living in Ukraine have issued warnings for people to leave Ukraine. I mean, we're not seeing countries like, I don't know, um, uh, uh, Thailand. We're not, yeah, we're not seeing okay. them call for people to leave yeah. Ukraine because, you know, there, there just aren't any people there right now. But um, France haven't stated anything yet, which is very weird, actually. I mean, if France if, said don't travel there. They, they, they said... They say don't actually travel there, but they didn't say to people to leave the country, which is uh, very important. All this statement today and yesterday, uh, most uh, in all the statement, most of the countries said like asking to their own citizens to leave the country, which is very different. Uh, so France is act acting very well on this uh, story because I'd say. Um, of course, Macron tried to go to uh, Russia and talk with Putin, which is, uh, which, uh, it wasn't, I mean, concluded, it concluded with any, nothing. But um, it, what is weird to me is like, really, France uh, have said nothing yet. Uh, maybe it will happen just after this talk, but. Um, of course, this, this is also be because or because Macron is currently trying to, you know, position himself as um, a negotiator. Yeah. Yeah. Be because that 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 might be one of the the significant reasons why is because um Macron has been very intensive in negotiations and if, you know, he says you know, everyone yeah. get out of Ukraine yeah. it will sort of blow the position he's tried to cultivate, which again, uh, you know, elections coming up and, yeah, of course, and but, uh, certainly trying to position himself as a certain figure right now well actually if it's only for elections on trying to be a mediator so uh, between i mean ukraine and i mean it's, it's not just elections it's you know yeah, macron being part, macron I mean, I mean, yeah <laughs> yeah of course but it's if it's a part of i mean if elections are taken in account i'd say uh, macron mm, wants take the risk to be uh, in a difficult position if Russia starts anything. And um, anyway, we will see in a few days now, because of course the US uh, stated that they have intel uh, on uh, imminent in invasion for next week. So we will see what happened. And of course, if, we, if anything happened, uh, we will keep moni monitoring it and making uh, our best uh, because the most important thing to take in, in, in the most important facts in all this story is uh, since uh, Maidan, all these uh, technologies, I mean, uh, uh, OSINT and internet and all this stuff uh, really evolved a lot. And now there's a lot of people working in OSINT. And today it will be very helpful to follow uh, any war and actually it's it, it was very helpful for uh 
Ethiopia, uh, because uh, I know that's not a country I was monitoring a lot, but I know that some people were doing an amazing, amazing job on this country, and uh, we might see an incredible work on Russia and Ukraine. Obviously, uh, I'd say <laughs> um, we all don't want any war, but which is important to taking in consideration is, uh, of course, we will be well informed, I'd say, on all this uh, military progress. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's been a while since we've had an actual lively debate on the uh, podcast, which is <laughs> definitely... Uh, okay, yeah. And and not actually just trashing a single person. Come on, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's clap for some progress here. But no, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, if I release this 12 hours from right now and... <laughs> Russia's already invaded. Someone's gonna have a bit of egg on their face, but um, no. I mean, I I think the the disagreement that you presented is is fairly logical and and is definitely backed up by you know things that we've seen. Um, and you know, I I think though at this point there there are certain signs again the reservists and um, actually sorting naval assets. Um, mm -hmm. If, if Putin doesn't intend to invade, and I think I've said this since the beginning, if Putin doesn't intend to invade, this is going to be one of the most expensive diplomatic bargaining chips in history. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it will be definitely very expensive and for all sides, because most of the time we forget that it's very expensive, even for Ukraine, uh, which is baked, of course, uh, by uh, United States or the Euro European Union, they give them a lot of money, but it's actually very expensive for them. And uh, I, all, at the same time, I think this is why uh, Zelensky made uh, a lot of statements uh, saying that he see no treat uh, in uh, no imminent treat, I'd say, uh, of Russia because. His country is uh, in a very bad uh, economic condition, and um, I think all this media coverage on imminent trades pushed uh, a lot of Ukrainians to withdraw their, all their money from banks, and it could uh, put Ukraine in a very difficult position. So it, it will explain why he made all this statement. But I don't know, honestly. I'd, I'd say there's yeah. no, no, no I mean, one. We're just we're yeah. seeing signs at this point yeah. that you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just so many signs that that Russian forces have sort of been prepositioned. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, it's not like we're gonna have to wait for long at this point because if they don't decide to do something, well, they're gonna have to stand down some of their most ready forces yeah. at some time soon because they they you know. In the Black Sea, they won't be able to keep the naval exercises going for yes. that long. Yeah, um, they won't be able to keep reservists near the front. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I, I, I tweeted a rather long thread the other day. I think it was something like 22 tweets long, um, where I, I sort of went into that a little bit. And I kind of said that effectively, the, 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 the golden moment now for Russia to act will be this next seven-day period, um, up to and including sort of the 19th, 20th of February. And then if nothing happens, then the, the chances of something happening will gradually tail off so that by the end of the month, Russia will very much be in a position where financially mm. it will no longer be viable for them to keep up this, you know, this, this build-up of forces in, in, in the Ukraine area. Um, they will either have to start sending troops home or risk running out of money somewhere along the line. 
Um, yeah. So I, I, I think, as, as the Americans are saying, as, as a great many of the OSINT community have been saying, the next seven days is going to be sort of the, 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 the crossroads, if you like. Um, if yeah, it's, it's going to be key. Happen, it's going to happen soon. Um, yeah, I, I'd say it will be very intense. Um, the problem is, if nothing happens, it will be uh, very difficult for the U.S. to justify that. And since they gave a precise date, um, they gave the. I think this is only my opinion, but they gave the advantage to Russia because actually they they can act any time since U.S. say they they will act on Tuesday. So I mean, when our when our worst case scenario is Russia not invading Ukraine, I I I think we're at a pretty good point here. Or, yeah. or, or, or the worst case scenario for the U.S. at least negotiating wise, um, not obviously in reality wise, being you know, yeah. Russia not invading Ukraine. That's obviously something that you that the, that the U.S. wants. Um, another, uh, also a worst case scenario would be Russia invading Ukraine, um, which would be responsible for probably one of the greatest humanitarian disasters in Europe in a while. Yeah, um, of course. And you know. Obviously, you know. I think Europe I think no, that to happen. I think nobody can say like one hundred one hundred percent. Oh, of course, the U.S. intelligence said it, but I'd say uh, they called. Uh, it's not the first time they they said it was an imminent threat. But the the main difference today is that they gave an exact date. So they gave a date range. Yeah, which... they, yeah. They said next week. They said on Tuesday. So this is the difference between all their statement before that but i think nobody can say uh 100 percent uh, okay putin is going to invade ukraine tomorrow or not going to invade tomorrow it's i'd say it's probabilities uh and it's not uh, zero or 100 it's only uh between them um even Putin can say at the last moment, okay, we're, we're not invading. And he can say in one hour, okay, let's go invade. So this is a very, uh, I think, kind of psychological war. Uh, of course, for all these official people working on all these governments, but also for us, since we're part of uh, the US community. And uh, I say, I'd say it's very... In some way, stressful for everyone, of course, because we're all talking about that uh, every day. Mm. We're all uh, worried about what's going going to happen, and sometimes we're all even uh, angry uh, on all these debates. But um, of course, nobody can exactly know what will happen. And since the U.S. gave a precise, precise date, we will see what's happened on next weekend. I hope, honestly. Um, nothing will happen, not because it will uh, <laughs> make me right, but uh, of course for all these people uh, living in Ukraine, on, even on the other side, uh, for all these people going to probably die, of course, and yeah, war is... Uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think any of us want war. I, I think yeah. that's what every country has tried to avoid at this point. Um, I think the, the main question right now is what can be done to avoid it, you know? is are there steps in negotiation um that that can actually be made mm. I, I think that that is a real question and in my opinion probably not i mean russia has sort of made their demands clear yeah. ukraine and the rest of europe has sort of you know 
made their opinions of the situation clear. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if really it can evolve at this point. Honestly, I, honestly, I don't know because Russia demons were actually very weird uh, since they asked like uh, to never let uh, Ukraine enter into the NATO. But the problem is. According to the fifth uh, article of the NATO, uh, Ukraine can't anyway join uh, NATO because of uh, Crimea. And m- many countries t- talk about that, like Germany, Spain, even France. Uh, and they all agreed that Ukraine won't join soon uh, NATO because of their uh, yeah. border uh, problems. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the ter- disagreement ter- though is... The yeah. disagreement is that NATO never wants to have another country put requirements on. Yeah, the, exactly. the whole point exactly. is I can... have the freedom to join yeah. NATO. Even yeah, if we I... don't want to let them in, they have the freedom to ask. Um, and that is a real that's a that's a that's a question that NATO isn't willing to to bend on, and you know comes to the heart of the issue. Yeah, but actually, I think uh, it's important to understand the Russian view of all this uh, problem because if you see only I mean the I'd say for us the Western view you will see you will see Russia of course of a uh, I can call it maybe a rogue state or dangerous state uh, for Europe but Russia have all also its own fears and I've I had the chance to talk uh, with many Russian people and uh, some people working uh, close to officials and they have also their own fear because of course if if, you, if by any chance Ukraine join NATO uh, NATO will be very very close to Moscow and of course Russia don't don't want it actually and they have. Uh, agreed on different things uh, sides of uh, on the side of uh, Ukraine and the Ukraine case like uh, those uh, open sky treaties like uh, all this nuclear uh, weapons in all these months um, I think if they keep mm, talking I mean in a diplomatic way if they keep uh, their ties with especially with the US I'd say it's not definitely over uh, for now, but of course it might come soon. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Russia wants a definitive answer to their uh, their issue that is Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. They they fixed their issue with Belarus, and now they view Belarus as sort of a secure union state. Yeah. Um, and and now they need to fix the issue that is Ukraine some way or another. Yeah, um, I think the plan, I, it's only my opinion because I, I tried to uh, start uh, monitoring all these ex-USSR countries like Belarus, Kazakhstan, and all these countries. And I tried to understand uh, the point of Russians, uh, I mean, since the end of USSR and even today. And what I've understood so far is I think Russia uh, wanted to make uh sort of uh, union state with ukraine before maiden and with all these events after maiden of course it changed all their plan, plan plans and um i think uh they definitely had the opportunity with the uh failed protest i'd say in belarus 
because after that they uh, they talk they started to talk to uh, Belarus and asked asked them to join uh, their initiative, uh, which is the state union, and maybe and maybe it's only my I say analysis, but if Russia really insisted uh, on the application of uh, the Minsk agreements, which is which will um, give Ukraine like, a huge problem because it will give it will give uh, some autonomy autonomy uh, to the Donbas, uh, all these separatist regions. And of course, they will be added in the Rada, which is the uh, Ukrainian parliament, and then they will have. Uh, power, I'd say, some influence in the uh, Ukrainian uh, parliament. And I think Russia tried to force uh, Kyiv to follow all these um, agreements to have, uh, again, uh, an influence inside of the Ukrainian government and maybe try to ask them to join uh, state union in the future, I mean, in the long term. And because all this... Um, you need to understand the background before that. Um, if you uh, if you read the uh, Russian doctrine, they often talk about uh, the fact that uh, even Belarus are Russians and Ukraine are Russians, and they all it's kind of all big family, and they need to be uh, they need to form uh, only one state. And of course, I think all this event actually happening is um, is very important because. Uh, Russia is trying to force Kyiv to apply all these Minsk uh, agreements and uh, maybe improve its own influence inside of Ukraine. But uh, yeah, it's only my analysis, of course. Yeah, and, and and at some point, Russia is going to have to figure out the Ukraine issue. And I mm. think the difference in opinion we have is you don't think it's going to be right now. And I think it's going to be right now. <laughs> yeah, think, of course. I think we both yeah. agree that, that Russia has to do something about Ukraine in their in their yeah. opinion. Um, of course, they yeah. have to they have to 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 find that way. And I think actually all this diplomacy, uh, diplomacy stuff are working very hard. Uh, to find a solution, um, Macron uh, talked to Putin a few minutes or hour now ago to Putin, and um, I think uh, so far I know Biden talked with uh, Putin as well. Uh, there will be uh, a meeting between uh, the German Chancellor to uh, to Russia uh, to Moscow next week. So my my opinion is they they will be forced to find a, an issue on that. And obviously, Russia can't just back down and say, okay, uh, we will agree on not doing anything and we want, we have won nothing because it's it's their own uh, credibility. Um, of course, if they do nothing now, uh, they will look uh, weak, I'd say, and nobody will trust them uh, next time. So... If they anyway, if they act and if they invade Ukraine, which is very, uh, I'd say it's not. Uh, in my opinion, it's not happening. But it's not. Uh, I'd say the probability is not zero. Uh, of course, they will probably uh, start to invade uh, with uh, the axis between uh, Kharkiv and uh, Odessa, because this is likely the most strategic uh, side of Ukraine. And I've talked with some uh, military experts and they said basically this is the most important for Russia. 
they really want to control all this uh, area uh, close to uh, uh, the Black Sea. And it's very strategic for them. But yeah. Yeah. And I think we should probably uh, end it on, on, on that uh, because I... <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me restart there. I think we should probably end it on that note because one, John has been pinging me for the last like 15 minutes asking me to end the darn episode so we can actually <laughs> yes. get it out in some reasonable time. <laughs> no, because my computer's now complaining that I'm running out of storage space, which I don't understand. But okay. if we lose the recording, we'd better stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, so, um, I, I mean, the main thing is, I think our, our disagreement is distilled down to, you know, we agree on the fact that Russia needs to deal with Ukraine. We mm -hmm. disagree in the manner of what they're trying to do to deal with it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, I think we'll see, we'll probably see if my argument plays out pretty quickly. I mean, that that's, yeah. that's not exactly... Or, or if, 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 uh, if I'm wrong, definitely, we will see that... Yeah, probably we'll, we'll next week soon. next week we, i think we can agree that next week will be definitely uh the most uh, sensitive week so um i think we'll all keep working on it so yeah but i think i think we're gonna end on that note and mm -hmm. thank you for coming on it's been a thank while you. since we had a had a real good debate on the uh, podcast and i think people will appreciate that yeah um and we'll look to see what happens yeah, definitely. And uh, I wanted to thank you all for inviting me. And I hope uh, to have the chance to talk about that next time. If yeah, we'll, we'll have happens. to bring you back on to the, for the next uh, podcast yeah. episode to, <laughs> for, for one of us to gloat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you. All right. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, hopefully, this has gone out. Um, before anything has potentially occurred in Ukraine. I know um, we, you know, have a certain tone when we talk about Ukraine, but we all obviously are very worried. Um, and uh, again, thank you for listening, and we hope to see you on the next episode. And don't forget that you can catch uh, all episodes of the Icent Bunker podcast uh, via our RSS page where you can download the episodes for free. Or you can watch on YouTube or listen on a variety of platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Deezer, and Google Podcasts. Um, we'll be back uh, in about two weeks' time, all being well, um, for the final episode of Season 2. Uh, and for those of you who haven't caught the announcement that was made on uh, our Twitter account the other day, um, we will be back uh, with both a Season 3 and a Season 4 uh, to take us through to the end of 2022. Um, the plan with that uh, for season three is we will be live streaming um, those episodes as we record them uh, on twitch.tv. Um, so we will be putting out links for that in the coming weeks as we begin making preparations for those episodes. And then season four, we'll see a return to our usual format in June um, with a full length 12 episode season to take us around to the end of the year. So as uh, Technical said, thank you very much for uh, listening. Uh, thank you all, uh, all of you listeners out there um, for helping us get past the 400,000 uh, download mark uh, last week. Um, and we hope that you will enjoy this episode, the ones to come. 